Hey, all right. Newest episode, Heal Thyself. I'm so happy to be here. Man, I'm doing this weekly, but I'm giving you all the information. I'm excited. Today's going to be a really good show. I got a lot to talk about. Um, the guest, amazing. Been looking forward to getting her in here for quite a while. I want to talk about some really important information that I promise you I have never heard on a podcast, so need to give it to you, right? So without further ado, let us move in to that knowledge box. All right, knowledge bomb time. I'm going to be talking about something that's so important to healing, something that's so important to reversing your symptoms, to getting to the root cause. When I spoke last week with a dear friend, Tim Coleman, he sort of sparked within me that we need to talk a little bit about more about the roots, right? The roots being, oh, you know, not necessarily what you're eating, but really a lot of the time that root that root that can be causing the, I don't know, chickpeas to aggravate you, maybe it's something deeper, the way you're responding immunologically, the way you're responding with your nervous system. So the reason I've always had a man crush on Joe Dispenza is because for quite a while, he's been saying this type of stuff. And I think it's amazing work that he does, but we need to talk about trauma and we need to talk about it like this. Trauma is important because it shapes how we interact with the world, right? And trauma happens, it happens to all of us. And based on our level of sensitivity, the trauma affects us very differently. Some people have the tools or were taught the tools when they were young to integrate that trauma very easily. But for some of us, a lot of time like me, we didn't really learn very young how to integrate that trauma. So we developed our own tactics in our own youth intelligence to integrate that trauma in a very specific way. Some people hold it in, some people yell it out. Regardless, a lot of the time we revert to our learned behaviors as children. What I want to talk about, though, is that maybe your capacity to withstand stress supersedes just you. Maybe it started in utero. And what I want to talk about is transgenerational trauma. Really important topic and concept because it relates so much to the depth of what the root of our health is. What if I told you that trauma may be a predisposition, right? You may have a genetic component to your trauma. So research, research showing that transgenerational trauma exists. They're starting to understand it better in humans. I mentioned about Joe Dispenza talking about this, right? The way trauma affects us, the way our perception of the world affects us, the way we, we integrate ourselves in reality with human behavior, with connections relative to other people. Um, but what we are seeing in these studies is there's evidence that's showing that there are epigenetic changes to our genes that determine the way we handle stress which is crazy, right? Because we didn't believe that. We believe you got these genes, you're born with these genes, you get cancer one day with these genes and you die. But it's not true because epigenetics means that there are internal and external factors in our environment that can shape the way our genes form, the way they are determined, what they're expressing. Incredible, right? Because our body is amorphous always. Nothing is fixed. So these factors that influence these changes within us are powerful because transgenerationally, we can see that these factors that happen in utero can affect very specific genes with very specific epigenetic changes and then express that such that our capacity for handling stress is reduced throughout life, not only in our generation, but we've seen it in preceding generations over and over and over. This is incredible stuff, but this is stuff that we need to talk about because it is in many ways the root cause of so many diseases. It begins internally. The external is a manifestation of what is happening inside of us. So methylation, that is the process where a methyl group is added to DNA, and then that methyl group changes the way the DNA is transcribed, right? If you remember biology back in school, it changes the way DNA is transcribed and ultimately what it's expressing, right? This is the epigenetic change that we're starting to see. Now they think they've identified the very specific gene that is determining a lot of this, or one that plays a major role. There's few. NR3C1 is a gene that encodes for the receptor that binds cortisol, right? So based on these methylation changes that happen in utero, this NR3C1 gene can be affected in a very particular way, and it can 
affect the way we handle cortisol. Now, cortisol is our hormone. It's released by our adrenal glands in response to stress, right? A little bear comes running into the room. All of a sudden, my adrenals are going to shoot out that stress hormone to get me the heck out of here along with adrenaline to save me. But cortisol is very much so needed in acute stress. But chronic, chronic, chronic stress, chronic cortisol is going to mess up and chip away at our health, at our vitality. So NR3C1 is also implicated in the way our adrenal glands that release cortisol talk to our brain. It's called the HPA axis, right? That feedback loop, it can actually disrupt that feedback loop. One of the most intriguing studies that I saw was how domestic violence affects genetics. So what they did, it was that they analyzed the genes of children who were in utero exposed, their mom was exposed to domestic violence and 10 to 19 years later, that's how, how much past that trauma uh, the, the measurements were. 10 to 19 years later, these children were expressing these genetic changes to NR3C1, meaning that their capacity to handle stress or utilize that cortisol appropriately has been, has been modified based on that domestic stress that happened 10 to 19 years ago. That's pretty incredible because the authors concluded that this all happened in utero. Similarly, we see the same thing in Rwanda for, during the Tutsi genocide. That was in 1995. So currently about 20% of Rwanda suffers with PTSD, right? And if you think about it, in 1995, I was what, in fifth grade? You know, so now I'm, I'm an adult and you can have kids. And what we're seeing is that there's a high rate of PTSD in Rwanda. So what they did was they looked at pregnant women who, or women who were pregnant during this genocide and their children, right? And they tested their blood and they looked at their genes. And what they found was increased levels of depression overall, uh, increased levels of PTSD, right? When they did that analysis and in their blood, they saw, or, and I, blood, I believe, but not urine, they saw uh, reduced cortisol. Again, that's associated with PTSD. Um, but what they saw, like I said before, was increased methylation for both the mom and the children at the, at the NR3C1 gene. Again, the same implication that's happening transgenerationally. Both the mom had it, and now the children had it. And they compare this to Rwandan women who are outside of the country, pregnant outside of the country, and their children during the genocide. That's incredible, right? Because both the mom is exhibiting this genetic change and the child. And I said before, that can even span 10 to 19 years. And it's not the first study. There's another study out of Congo that shows the same thing. Women under stress, NR3C1 gene, their children. It's the same theme that we're seeing in the studies, right? We also see it in Holocaust survivors. They have epigenetic changes, not to NR3C1, but a very similar gene of the same family, FKBP5. This gene doesn't code for the expression of the receptors to cortisol, but it codes for the sensitivity to cortisol. And they see that the Holocaust survivors' children have a change, epigenetic change, to FKBP5. So literally, their sensitivity to cortisol has changed uh, versus the normal population. And in animals, we see this consistently. One interesting one was the nematode study that showed that physical stress response changes epigenetically last 19 generations. It's incredible stuff. And lastly, not about those stress genes on our 3C1 or FKBP5, but when you talk about the Dutch famine of the 40s, what we see is that even six decades later, the epigenetic changes, the hypomethylation, the gene of IGF-2, that's one that's associated with gestational growth and development. We see that six decades later, that gene is still hypomethylating. It's incredible stuff because when, or the, 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 the person that was uh, experiencing the Dutch famine, the, the mom who had the baby in utero, those genetic changes happened and they just perpetuated through generation and generation. All right, so what the heck does this all mean, right? I'm naming all these fancy genes. What it means is this. It means that maybe, just maybe, if you have a predisposition to anxiousness or depression or getting easily stressed, it might be generational. Think about that, right? So it's not always your fault. Actually, it's not your fault at all. You have your genetics, but you have power too. What I mean by that is that epigenetically, you can give yourself what you can. You can't change your predisposition. You can't, right? Some genes are fixed, but you can change those epigenetic changes that you make, both internally and externally. Go meditate. 
Make it a habit of meditation. So if you can't handle stress or you're genetically predisposed not to handle stress or not sensitive to stress or overly sensitive to stress, if you're meditating, you're actually creating other epigenetic changes in your body and in your brain to be able to have a better capacity for stress, right? Talk to your doctor about adaptogens for your adrenals, giving your adrenal glands that health, that strength, that vitality, so you're able to better handle stress, right? And really think about what you're doing in life. Are you doing something that brings light to your life? Are you doing something that mirrors your sense of purpose and reflects who you are? Or are you always going to be stressed based on the foundation and creation and life you created for yourself? So think about those things, write them out, audit your life. You have the power to make epigenetic changes, maybe not to those genes, but I promise you to other genes that can change your life too. Incredible stuff, transgenerational trauma. I can't wait to do this product review and then I can't wait to get our special guest in. Let's move on. All right, today's product review, I'm gonna go over beans, 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 beans. Uh, as a vegan, it's a big part of my diet. But I think it should be part of everyone's diet because they're very, very, very nutritious. They've got some good protein, really dense in minerals, good source of vitamins. I love beans. Um, but really, you gotta, if you're having a lot of trouble with beans, I want you to always think about where your digestion is and how you can strengthen that, okay? But there's different aspects to buying beans that I need to talk about, right? We talk about BPA and we talk about it a lot. Um, especially by the very nature of what my work is and going into doing cancers, especially breast and prostate. So hormonally driven cancers are really, one thing that I always recommend from the get-go is getting away from xenoestrogens. And what we think about xenoestrogens are things like dairy, of course, that's a really potent source of estrogen, but what we also wanna stay away from is plastic. I talk about that. But you don't think about the lining of the cans that you buy beans in or tomatoes in, so, or like receipt paper. Uh, I really want you to think about how you're buying your beans, right? And there's different ways. Trust me, I buy beans all different ways, right? I'm not here to fully villainize anything. I'm here to just bring awareness. So beans are a food that I like to buy organic. I actually try to buy everything organic, to be honest. Um, it's not a food that needs, it, it's not one that is on Dr. G's high concern, needs to be organic right now. Otherwise, you know, what I do say, though, is if you can't get them organic, get them organic. This one by Kroger is not organic. But what I don't like about it, it's in a, it's in a can, and it says non-BPA liner. So the problem with BPA-free is that its substitute that they use, BPAS, is just as toxic, if not more toxic. It's a sneaky move that the plastic industry did. But my concern is that these liners of these cans, uh, they have BPA. So this one's not organic. It has a BPA-free liner, which is likely BPAS or some other um, or some other form. Regardless, um, I wouldn't get this one myself. Particularly, this is Kroger black beans. You have the 365 organic, and these are the ones from Whole Foods, which are a better choice. There's two. You have the boxed one and the canned one, right? Um, both or USDA organic. The canned one is US uh, non-GMO. So the two things again. This says the non-BPA lining. Again, likely BPAS. That's pretty much a substitute that they always use for when it's BPA-free. The same goes with your plastic bottles. So stay away from that stuff. Get a glass or stainless steel. I always say this. But again, when you even think about this, this box, this cardboard box, the lining in itself of this too is likely, likely to have BPA also, which is concerning for me too. And the, the crazy thing is I, I buy a lot of these, the, the ones in the box. But I want to submit to you that there is actually a better form. The best form would be to buy them organic. And this is a 365 organic one, but to buy them in a bag like this and dried, right? It's a little bit more work because they're not ready-made. And I'll, and I'll be honest with you, I have both. I actually have, I actually have some cans at home. I have some of the box ones at home, and then I have a few of these. So if I'm in the rush, like I got to come in, eat, and get out, then I'll utilize some of these quicker to go ones, okay? We're gonna be exposed to BPA or BPAS always. This is the very nature of the world we live in, right? It's a matter of how we're detoxifying, how strong our liver is and everything. Um, but what I'm saying is we wanna aim high always. So what we wanna do here is here, look, the organic black bean ones, it's in plastic, it's dried, you need to soak them. So then that brings me to the point of soaking. 
for folks who have really sensitive digestion, I find clinically and for myself, soaking is better when you do it with the beans. You see a reduction of phytates when you soak it. And when you cook them, a reduction of lectins, right? And some people are particularly sensitive to these, what they call anti-nutrients in, the, um, in the beans. So uh, remember, another thing, kidney beans, never eat them raw. can get you really, really, really sick. But um, again, so take home. If it's a canned, conventional canned lining, stay away from it because the substitute for BPA is something you want to stay away from. Um, the boxed ones are a better choice, but still there is a good chance that the lining of the box still is made of BPA. So always try to strive for ones in a bag. I worry less about BPA when they're dried up like this and in a bag versus when they in a can in juice and uh, with a lining in it. So, um, I really hope that helped. We tried to do really straightforward with this one and, uh, yeah, glad to bring you that information, man. I can't wait to get this guest in. Let's get her in here. All right, everyone. I am so excited for this special guest. I promise you, it's been since the beginning of this show. I've been waiting to have a conversation, not only about Ayurvedic medicine, but with this wonderful human being in particular. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sahar Rose for showing up. Ah, thank you so much for having me, Christian. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. Okay. So here's a synchronicity because I've been wanting to do something on Ayurveda for so long. And we just meet at a party. Yep. And have a long Ayurveda conversation. Yeah, but 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 uh, but we sort of knew about each other, and we're sitting in a yes. circle, and we're chatting, and I introduce myself to you, and, and you're like, wait a minute, no, we know each other. And exactly, because we, we were gonna do this like a while ago, but yeah. then just like this is the perfect timing. Life, ha yeah, perfect yeah. timing. You're the busy one. You are traveling all <laughs> over the place, spreading these messages of like high vibration. So can you tell? First of all, let's let the listeners and viewers know what you do. Yeah. Yeah. So. I am an Ayurveda author, which we'll talk all about, as well as host of the Highest Self podcast, which mm -hmm. is a podcast all about tapping into your highest self, you know, who you were meant to be on this world. So my journey started with my own health problems. I think a lot of, you know, healers, people in this field don't go into it because it's like a fun and sexy topic. I'm sure a lot of people right now listening to this mm -hmm. are doing it because they are looking for answers within themselves. And that's how the journey with me started as well. So growing up, I was overweight, ate a lot of junk food, had really bad asthma, allergies. Um, and that made me disconnected from my body, not want to go outside. Because every time I'd go outside, I'd go to the emergency room because I had such bad allergies. That bad? That bad. Wow. And eventually when I was a teenager, I wanted to just, you know, feel comfortable in my body. And that led to me discovering yoga. And this was like before everyone was doing yoga, but I heard that Rachel from friends does yoga. So I was What's like, what's this yoga? Yeah. yeah. And from there I felt connected to my body for the first time, not punishing it, not running an obstacle course, but like, Oh, it actually feels good in here. And that led to me just learning more about the mind body connection, reading books of people like Deepak Chopra, which eventually led me to really uncovering nutrition. Mm -hmm. So I started studying, you know, as we do like on Google, like what's the best kind of diet, learning more and more about it, becoming passionate about it. And eventually it led me to raw veganism. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, if eating just junk food is the unhealthiest thing, then being a raw vegan must be the healthiest thing because mm -hmm. I'm only eating plants and they're not cooked. So my health must become amazing. And at first I felt, uh, I felt really good. I was living in Boston and slowly as it became colder and darker, I started to feel less good. And I first noticed that I would just have really bad stomach aches. Like anything I ate, if I like food combined the wrong way, God mm. forbid, I'd have a really bad stomach ache. And that led to it becoming like worse and worse that pretty much anything I ate would give me such severe cramps that I was like on the couch, just like trying to breathe through it. I also noticed that I was so cold. Like I would just be like shivering all the time and like, you know, no amount of blankets, whatever it would, could, could warm me up. Yeah. And then I would notice I'd start to faint. Like I'd be at the gym and I would literally have to sit down. The whole world is spinning and then that would make me want to vomit. I would get, I was like, do I have a vertigo? Like what's happening with me? Then I start to get injured all the time. Like one wrong move, I would, I would get injured. Then my hair, I'd brush my hair, all my hair is coming out and I was losing weight, which I was excited about at the beginning. But then when you drop down less and less and less to my BMI became 15, mm, which is like, really I was like 80 mm -hmm. something pounds yeah. and I'm trying to eat all this raw food and understand what's happening with me. But the real thing was my period stopped. So at first I thought, well, whatever, like, you know, who cares? a year, two years, not a single menstrual cycle. So something is clearly up with my body. And 
I finally went to different doctors from endocrinologists to gastroenterologists. I also had really bad insomnia. I couldn't sleep at night. I was always just like kind of anxious, like restless. And at this point in my life also, I was just like not sure who I was, not sure who what my purpose is. So all of these things were coming at me and I was just taking it all out into like, well, can I control my diet more, Be eat more raw food, have more spirulina? And I went to so many doctors, they kept prescribing me more medications, IBS medication, antidepressants, um, you know, just get on birth control. And I'm like, well, what if I want to have a baby one day? They're like, oh, there's IVF for that. Mm. I'm like, okay, so I'm 21 years old. I'm infertile. My digestion doesn't work. I got a blood test, zero estrogen in my body. Like mm. I was at zero. So mm. my body was essentially going through pretty much like perimenopause. Yeah. Which makes sense. All the symptoms. Right. And the funny thing is I created it, you know, I created it from longstanding, not listening to my body from thinking that, well, because I read this in a magazine, it must be the right thing. You know, granted I had a natural propensity to fall into these imbalances, but then I was further perpetuating them. So what I learned from studying many different kinds of nutritional theories, I later went to more ancient theories because I was trying to bring balance into my body. So I discovered Ayurveda. I had heard of Ayurveda before. I wasn't really sure what it was. And I took a dosha quiz and it was as if I was reading my autobiography. Like everything I said from bloating, gas, constipation, amenorrhea, anxiety, insomnia, cold, dry skin, everything was me as well as my personality. Like creative, think outside the box, visionary, talks fast, likes to do a lot of things. I'm like, who wrote this? You know, how do they know me so well? And that for the first time allowed me to feel understood because no one had ever put these symptoms together before. It was like, okay, the gastroenterologist is just going to talk about your digestion, but they're not going to ask you how you sleep. And they're not going to ask you how your hormones are. And you're not, they're not going to ask you how your bones are. They're all separate people. And for the first time I saw all of these things as interconnected. So I'm like, what do I do? So I started to learn more and more about Ayurveda and became just like so fascinated by the system. But I also saw a lot of the stuff was really old school. A lot of the stuff maybe didn't make sense for today's time. It actually, some of the stuff really went with what I was reading about. I later studied holistic nutrition, et cetera. But then other stuff like only having rice and lentils and ghee, I was like, how, how does that make sense? Mm. So I really seeked out a way to bring modern nutritional science with ancient Ayurvedic wisdom and just began learning more and more about it. Eventually, when I graduated, moved to India, lived in India for two years, studying Ayurveda, taking everything, taking everything in Western, like, okay, well, we see there's Vata, Pitta, Kapha, these three body types. Okay, there's endomorph, mesomorph, ectomorph. These line up. Okay, we know 70 to 90% of serotonin is the gut. Okay, that's what Ayurveda is saying. So I'm finding all of these synchronicities, but then also seeing, well, in ancient Ayurvedic times, there was no pollution. There was no, you know, chemtrails, Monsanto, like what mm. they weren't exposed to these things. So they didn't need to go like as hard as we do with mm. all the, with That's all the true. nutrients yeah. and stuff, because they ate an apple and it was, it was full of health. Whereas today it's not, they also didn't have refrigerators back then too. So they needed to heavily cook everything and add lots of spices. So I began to really understand where it came from and how we can adapt it to today's time, which led to me writing my books, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, Eat, Feel Fresh. Mm -hmm. And, and then more, so than just health, realizing how these doshas help us find the purpose of our lives. Mm. And that's what led me to the journey I'm on today. Oh, that's incredible. I didn't know that. So you were in India making Venn diagrams of modern nutrition, <laughs> yeah. ancient Ayurvedic nutrition and yes. finding those commonalities. Yes. Because that's what the way I see you is like you've made Ayurveda so like like on the forefront of nutrition, right? Like we learned about it in school. I knew about it, mm -hmm. but we didn't like have a course in it. Right. You know, we touched on it. We learned about the doshas, but mm. Um, you don't hear a lot of modern day, uh, like functional practitioners really going hard on Ayurveda. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that you've bridged that gap really well. Thank you. Um, and I have your books mm -hmm. and, uh, especially the Eat Feel Fresh is so helpful for me to understand mm -hmm. my dosha, mm -hmm. which we'll talk about mm -hmm. and, um, and how to go about that. And the most interesting thing you said amongst all of that was, and that all of it was interesting, the when you switched and when the seasons changed, mm -hmm. because I feel that too. A whole summer, I can eat raw anything. Mm -hmm. Come the fall and the winter, I'm dead. I can't mm -hmm. eat raw anything. Mm -hmm. My stomach is horrible. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to say, since we spoke at that party, you had mentioned 
eat your grounding food, eat your soups. I've been doing a lot more, a lot more. My gut has been great. Mm. Isn't that crazy? It's amazing. Yeah. And it's cool because it's like naturally, you know, the doshas go with the season. So what do we crave in fall? Like fall is like back to school time, pumpkin spice lattes, mm -hmm. like, you know, soups. Like that's what we naturally desire. But for some reason we say, oh, well, I should do another juice cleanse or, oh, that salad was recommended. So I should just eat it all year. We don't think about that. And, you know, if you look at any any time in history, we didn't have like the accessibility to any foods yeah. at any times of the year. Like there were no pineapples in like Nova Scotia, right? Mm -hmm. But because of this globalization, we can have any food at any time, which, you know, can be great, but also makes our systems extremely confused because like, you know, here I was drinking coconut water all the time, which mm -hmm. is cooling from the tropics meant to bring down your body temperature. Mm -hmm. And it is sub zero degrees because I live in Antarctica pretty much. Yeah. And it's just making my body get sicker and sicker. But my mind could say, well, it's full of nutrients, but it's not a Food is not a calculator, right? You have to look at the whole process. You have to look at your environment. And that's really what Ayurveda teaches you, that you are a part of nature. Mm. And we can try to strip it apart and formulaically look at it, but, but you can't. Your mm. system is always going to be connected by what's happening around you. And you go through cycles as well. So the doshas put language to these cycles. So we can, instead of being like, I don't know, what season is it or what, what's happening? We could say, okay, this is related to vata. It's related to pitta. It's related to kapha. And then know exactly what to do to bring it back into balance. Yeah, that, that makes so much sense. I can't eat any berries right now. Mm -hmm. You know, actually, I tried to eat it like uh, some berries two, two weeks ago or uh, three weeks ago my stomach started hurting immediately right um, it's a super like springy summer food yeah but i ate them all summer mm -hmm. literally almost for breakfast every single day mm -hmm. which is incredible since we spoke that's been ma making a huge impact but nothing in nature is fixed right we're not even fixed nothing we're not even nothing we're always in motion mm -hmm. so it stands to believe that as things go through peaks and valleys and circle and left and right that so too does our constitution and you know what we can eat and what we should eat uh, so you just mentioned, you mentioned doshas twice, right? And I know that that's like so cool to learn about in Ayurveda because when we had that conversation, when I started getting it, remember when it started clicking mm -hmm. those doshas, I'm like, you're like, what does that person remind you of? I was yes. like, uh, uh, and, and, and you get it yeah, and it's intuitive. It's intuitive. So yeah. what are doshas first of all? And like, how do we describe them? What are the differences? If you can just drop those bombs. Sure. So so for anyone that wants like a clear definition of Ayurveda, Ayurveda is the world's oldest health system. Because I think sometimes people are like, I don't get it. It's the world's oldest health system. Now within Ayurveda are these doshas. The word dosha means energy or archetype. So there are three doshas that we all have. They're, they exist in everything, every person, every food, but in varying amounts. So the three doshas are vata, which is air, pitta, which is fire, kapha, which is earth. So vata air, think airy personality, airy body, airy food. Like intuitively we can, we can already guess like, you know, what would an airy personality be like? Mm. Like how would you imagine someone? A, kind of someone who has one thought and then it just like flows to the other thought mm -hmm. and, and less grounded really. Mm -hmm. Like always just jumping from place to place, never like really being home, right? which I've been accused of a lot. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? Is totally. Exactly. And we even have words in our language, like space cadet, head yeah. in the clouds, airy fairy, right? Like these yeah. words are kind of negative, but we could also imagine that person probably comes up with tons of ideas all the time. And they're always really active and moving and coming up with new things. They're really good at beginning projects, right? Mm -hmm. They're very excited. Mm -hmm. So that's the energy of Vata. We all have it, but some people are very, very Vata, like Steve Jobs, for example. He was able to see a world where we had these you know, rectangular shaped devices that rule our lives. Yeah. But we also know Steve Jobs was a raw vegan mm -hmm. and went to India to meditate and like named it apple after that, which is also very Vata. So why, why do Vatas love raw foods? Cause they're cold and they're dry and they make you feel more airy. Like Vatas oftentimes when they're out of balance, they further crave the things that make them feel more Vata. And this is with any dosha when, so you can think of it like a pendulum shifting in two directions. The further out of balance you are, the further you crave the foods and activities that knock you out of balance. And the further balanced you are, the further you crave the foods and activities that bring you into balance. Mm. So a Vata who is out of balance is like, give me the celery juice cleanse and let me go on a water fast and, you know, mm. go to soul cycle and like mm. keep going and do a million things at the same time. And, you know, 
start all these projects and, and never end up finishing them. But when they're balanced, they're able to use that creativity while grounding and like taking action on them. And then in the body, it's air. So what do you think air is like if I said, oh, I feel like I have a lot of mm, air in my stomach. Gassy in every single way. Gassy, right, which makes you bloated. Mm -hmm, and bloated. air is cold, it's dry. So that, imagine what your colon would be like, you know? Mm, you'd be constipated. Yeah. What would your skin be like? It would be cold, cold and, and dry. dry. Yeah, you always cold and dry, mm -hmm, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that was very much what was happening with me. Everything was vata. Even anxiety is vata. What's anxiety? It's inability to control your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts are moving past you. It's like that wind has turned into a tornado. It's mm -hmm. out of balance. And insomnia is, it's happening at night. So if you look at these characteristics, I see a lot of health conscious women have them mm. because our society is like, oh, to be healthy, just have salad and, and kale mm -hmm. chips and like all of these a juice, right? You can order these, a lot of these food deliveries that are super healthy. It's only cold foods. I've seen that. And you notice, yeah. and you know, they think, oh, well, I'm getting my meals in. It's just like a cold breakfast, cold lunch, cold dinner. And our systems, especially in the winter time, we're not meant to ingest all of that cold stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I see vata imbalances from, you know, amenorrhea or irregular periods or scanty periods, digestive issues, bloating. So many women have them because our our health and wellness society is very vata increasing. And also because our media loves to put vata people, you know, mm. you know, if you think about that tall model body or ballerina mm. body, that's very vata. It's mm. very, you know, thin and fragile. And some people like yourself are born with more of that, mm. that type of body, but a lot of people are not. So they're yeah, trying they to, it, yeah. yeah, they're trying to not eat or, you know, just drink juice or whatever to make themselves look that way their bodies can't cope with it, so it's bringing on all of these imbalances. Oh, that's an incredible way to even look at it. Yeah. And I can relate to that, and we'll go into our own doshas. Yes. So, so okay, so that is vata. Now, pitta? So pitta is fire. So if I was like, oh, Christian, that girl is fiery. Oh. What do you think you she's feel, like? She is uh, very expressive vocally, like uh, sometimes even contentious, doesn't worry about controversy, just mm -hmm. is ready. Like, she's out. That's mm -hmm. what I see. Like someone who's just really like expressive. Yes. We think of that feisty person. Feisty, like yeah. they know what they want. They're going to go get it. They have like Latin a really woman. strong Latin woman. <laughs> I think we were talking about, about yeah, yeah. that, yeah. but I see it so much in Latin culture because American Western culture really perpetuates that vata in woman, like Natalie Portman, like mm, Black Swan. Like uh, that's what all the women want to be. Latin culture want to be Jennifer Lopez. Uh -huh. You know, they want to be Sofia Vergara, uh -huh. which is like super like feisty and yeah. it's like embodied and it's strong and it's powerful and it can get a little angry and it yeah. can snap and oh, it yeah. can get impatient. I know that. So <laughs> you're like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's funny because then women step, sometimes step into that archetype because that's what they're supposed to be. Yeah. So that fieriness, it, fire is transformative, right? It can take a house and burn it into ashes. So fire is the energy of, I see what I want and I'm going to go get it. And it can also really come up with the steps. So they tend to be like organized, strategic, scheduled. They have their routine like, okay, my Google Cal says, these are the things I'm doing. Like, are we going to hang out next weekend? Okay. Confirm with me on Google Cal, like send me a 24 hour confirmation. Like, like that. okay, yeah. 10, 16, we're going to hang out. Yeah. Like, where do I park? Like yeah. they need to know what's happening. I know those people. Cause pittas really value time. Vatas don't really have control of time. They're like, oh, I don't know. They're very optimistic with time. They're like, yeah, I'll figure it out. It's going to happen. Cause it's just the air. Whereas pittas like they need to have direction. They're very directional with their energy. So it's like, we're not going to go on a walk. Where are we walking to? Mm -hmm. Like they need to know. And that's like very masculine as well to have like a direction and a focus. So that energy is really powerful when you're coming up with a business, you're a CEO, entrepreneur, lawyer, you know, doctors, mm -hmm. surgeons, like really, you know, this is what we need to do and I will get it done. Mm -hmm. But, you know, sometimes life doesn't go your way. <laughs> sometimes you're late. Sometimes, you know, someone cancels on you without saying no on Google Cal. And that is when the fire can erupt into a volcano. And pittas, you know, vatas are very in the future. What's going to happen later? What's this? There's future tripping. Pittas can be very present to the point, like I'll erupt at you and not think about what is it going to be like in the future after I've snapped at you or what have you done for me in the past? I'm mad right now. 
So they really need to work on just having more flow and allowance and surrender and trust. So if you think about the archetype like Gary Vee mm. or like Kobe Bryant, mm. you know, any of these like entrepreneur athletes, super pitta, yeah. like they wake up, they're on the go, what's happening next? But you could feel that fire. Like you don't want them to be teaching your yoga retreat, right? right. Like you want them to be helping you on your business or yeah. your, your basketball game, whatever yeah. it is. Madonna, very fiery. And we could see, you know, in someone's body. So Pitta people tend to have strong bodies. They tend to put on muscle mass more easily. Why? Testosterone. Mm. They tend to have strong, like angular jaw lines, mm -hmm. testosterone. Like Madonna. Madonna, yeah. Jennifer Aniston, uh, I see, you I know, see, I see. Brad Pitt. Yeah. It's like, they're they're in their power and their bodies, even like their body stances really show it. And you might be like, well, I feel like I relate, but I'm not muscular. You you might not be exercising enough, but it's the type of people like who go work out and they're like more of the mesomorphs. They just put on muscle That's more easily. Yeah. So it makes sense that the testosterone in their body translates to testosterone in their mind, which makes them that way. Mm. And then in the body fire, you know, if I was like, oh, I feel like I have a lot of fire in my stomach. What do you think that Heartburn. is? Heartburn. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of course, you're a doctor. You're like, heartburn. Yeah. <laughs> I was People like, are like, Gird. fire. Yeah. 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 Um, exactly. Your heart is burning. You know, you're creating too much stomach acid, right? The vata is not creating enough. The pitta is creating so much that the food is often just going right through their system. Uh, you know, loose stools, heartburn, yeah. acidity, ulcers. And what does heat do? It rises, right? If we go to the t ceiling, it's hotter than the bottom. Mm -hmm. So that heat is rising through our body trying to escape, which is acne. Mm -hmm. So anything acne as well as anything irritation. So rashes, uh, rosacea, hives, anything like Maybe that, like, like a breakout. Psoriasis can be related to different doshas. Because uh, it's dry, but it's also there's exactly. an infl inflammatory Exactly. Yeah, component. there's different causes to that. There's different types of eczema as well. Yeah. But like hives or like rashes are super pitta. For example, when I was writing my book, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, mm -hmm. I was on a very tight deadline. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to make myself become pitta. Mm. So I was like, I'm going to drink coffee. I'm going to have all this spicy food, even though I don't even like it. I'm going to go boxing, listen to rap music, go to hot yoga. Yeah. Like I was just going in. You were in it. And at first I was like, yeah, pitta. And then I broke out into hives, which has never happened That's to me incredible. before. Because wow. my body was like, we can't handle all this fire. And, you know, some people, again, naturally have more of it, but I was going past what my body could naturally handle. So it was responding. That's amazing. So I had to bring my pitta back into balance. So we can't change our dosha. It's about honoring the dosha that we have, but bringing them back into balance. So if you're feeling really, you know, just like inflammation, irritation, anything related to fire, you know you have to balance your pitta. They feel hot. Mm -hmm. They're the people sweating at night. Yeah, They're like, yeah. it's what is it? It's hot, hot in here and no one else is hot except them. Right, yeah. exactly. And it's like you're hot and bothered. And also being hot is related to muscle mass, which is related to testosterone. So yeah. we can see all the science that's mm -hmm. related to this too. Mm -hmm. Whoa, that's amazing. So I, I love that you've given us like celebrity examples yes. because it kind of, when you started doing it with me, I'm like, I get it. I get it more because I see their, I, I see their like figure, how, you know, how they look and then their personality yes. types. Um, like Tony Robbins is such a good example. Of I was just talking that. about this yesterday. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was talking about the doshas and I was like, you know, Tony Robbins is, because I remember you exactly. told me. Exactly. So he's pitta. He's very pitta. And why do we love him? Because he gets us energized. He gets us waking. He's all about your peak state and mm -hmm. like jumping and like clapping and getting everyone in that energized pitta state. Whereas Dr. Joe Dispenza, way more vata energy. He's like very heady and like what's happening and, <laughs> and he's yeah. like... Neurons. Yeah, like yeah. your mind can control your body. Actually, yeah. your body doesn't really matter. Whereas Tony Robbins is like, your body controls your mind. So it's this different emphasis. Uh, and then Kapha is like Eckhart Tolle, Oprah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, okay, which leads us to the next yeah. one. So what do we look for in Kapha now? Yeah, so Kapha is earth energy. So if I was like, oh, Christian, that guy is so earthy. What mm. do you think he's like? Um, man, he is grounded. He's the one who's like really with his shoes off, He's got some earth tones, you know, the guy, some of the guys I see in Venice beach, basically. Right. You know, exactly. Like, like really like connected to the earth or the guys in the woods who are, you know, like foraging for mushrooms. Exactly. Totally. So we think of that, like the forager, wild man. We think of like the woman who's like breastfeeding or, but also like earthiness is like very nurturing. It's very caring. So someone that has a lot of cough in their personality are 
grounded. They're anchored. They're not going after every trend. They're not trying to impress people. Like they're like, this is who I am. And they're very calm. Like being around them makes you feel just like a little bit more restorative. Mm. So Oprah, as an example, like why do we love Oprah so much? It's not because she's like, come on, everyone, let's go. No, she's not. She's very nurturing when you're sitting on the table with her. She listens to you. Listens. She's like, honey, what's happening? Yeah. And then she cries. Like she'll really connect. She feels. Exactly. And Uh. that that pause, like, imagine if I did the whole interview like this. I'm already calmer. So how does this make you feel? Like, like really, like, secure and safe and open. Would you start to get frustrated? Kind of. I want you to keep going. Right. Like, give me a little bit more fire. Right. Yeah, for sure. So it's interesting, because even just doing something as short as that, like, some people are like, oh, that feels really good and restorative. And other people are like, hurry up, what do you want to say? Mm-hmm. And that's that kapha, you know, the sacred pause pulls people in, right? Like oftentimes we think I have to say enough and talk fast enough for people to listen. But sometimes going a little bit more slowly mm-hmm. actually pulls people in. They pulled me in. I was waiting for those next words to come out. <laughs> You're like, yeah. so for example, I saw like Eckhart Tolle speak and he's just like, walks on stage, looks out in the audience. Oh, you awake. <laughs> like that was his I swear <laughs> I've heard him so many times and that is the perfect impression. It's so true. Like he'll walk he will not walk in like Tony Robbins. Yeah, I'll tell you that much. Exactly. Yeah. And that's like, you know, why do people love him so much? Like half of the people when I saw him talk were either like, Wah! or like mm-hmm. half of them were like, oh, meditation and that's not a kapha you know very strong example of it but that kapha energy is like it pulls you in it grounds you it anchors you down so kapha people have that just like sweet mama bear energy but what happens often is they are the people who are making sure everyone else around them is okay like are you good do you have what you need let me do this for you let me take care of you and that can lead to people being like sure okay okay and you give 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 that you end up becoming depleted mm. so this is the most common i see with mothers because when you have a child you literally become the earth for another being you're yeah. literally giving someone life and because of that, and I know you work a lot with like breast cancer, like that is related to kapha dosha. Kapha yeah, my imbalance. mom was kapha 100,000%. Right. Yeah. So it's like you're giving, you're caring, you, you care so much. Like that's actually part of your purpose. That's part of why you're here. But kaphas have difficulty in throat chakra. They have a hard time speaking their truth and saying what they need because they feel like, well, if I say what I need, then I'm the rock around everyone else. And if that collapses, the whole world's going to collapse. So they can hold a lot of weight on their shoulder and they're very empathic. So they hold on to other people's energy. And when we hold on to energy, you know, from a more spiritual perspective, when you hold on to energy, energy is, you know, calories, right? Mm -hmm. So that makes you hold on to more weight. That makes you need to have more boundaries around Mm -hmm. people. So your body literally creates weight around you to protect yourself, which now we're seeing, and I know you recently posted about trauma. When you have trauma, a lot of times, especially with sexual abuse, you literally put on weight for protection. Mm -hmm. So coughs oftentimes gain weight and feel heavy and lethargic and sluggish and tired and like they don't want to exercise and they don't know how to start a new routine and that just further perpetuates the kapha. Now, if you look at it from a more like like literal perspective, well, if I'm holding on to all these other people's expectations, needs, et cetera, I need to get my energy in from somewhere. So I'll just keep eating and binge eating and binge eating because that becomes my comfort, which makes me literally, you know, put on extra calories. So it's like both perspectives line up. Wow. That makes, I love the love the way you present it because it, it's, we're not just talking about the doshas, we're talking about the reasoning and the, how they can get into pathological states, yes. which is so important for everyone to understand, not only to feel related to a certain dosha, but understand why they can come to a place. So all of this brings me to this question. It's, can someone be inherently born a dosha or like maybe a little bit of a mix of them, but then for life situations go into another dosha and like kind of stay there pathologically do people do that too that is exactly what happens so we are all born with a unique set of all three doshas this is called our prakriti natural born constitution it's like your dna right some kids are more adventurous pitta some are more creative vata some are more like let's play house kapha right that's just what you came in like different bodies, different shapes, different personalities. And that's what you were meant to be. Now, for some people, one dosha is naturally very strong, like these examples we gave. Tony Robbins, born with a lot of pitta, right? But let's say, you know, 
let's say he was born with a lot of pitta, but then he experienced a really difficult breakup. And that breakup made him just like isolate himself and stay home and start to eat a lot. And then as he was eating a lot, he didn't want to exercise and he didn't really want to go outside. And then he didn't really feel comfortable in his body. So because of that, he ended up just like overcompensating by doing things for other people and being like the funny guy that everyone needs, but never expressing himself. So he's gaining weight and he's staying home. He's staying sedentary. And this actually may continue for the rest of his life. So he at age 50 may take a dosha quiz and be like, oh, I'm a kapha. But he wasn't actually born that way. He changed something that made him become that way. So what we're always doing in Ayurveda is we're bringing the dosha that is excess, we have too much in, back into balance. So it's not so much about, oh, I have to figure out what I was born as. That actually will happen naturally when you bring your doshas back into balance. So for for someone who, you know, they think I'm overweight, I'm sluggish, whatever it is, bring your kapha back into balance. And then naturally the doshas that you were meant to be, maybe more vata, maybe more pitta, or maybe you are kapha, but just to not have that shadow side. Like kapha gets a bad rep. If like kapha means I'm going to be fat, like, okay, Beyonce, kapha, you know, like a lot of just like more like Scarlett Johansson, like just full figured woman. Mm-hmm. That's that kapha. It's estrogen, yeah. right? It's like that, that curviness. So Kim Kardashian, like that type of body. So it doesn't mean by any means you're meant to be overweight. It just means like that's, that's that shape that you have. So don't, I get messages all the time. How can I get a vata body shape? Like uh, people don't want hips and, you know, yeah. to look like that. And it's like, no rock your dosha. But if you're realizing that you're getting out of balance, you're becoming sluggish and tired, those are your symptoms that something is out of balance. So mm-hmm. your your doshas today may very well not be the doshas that you were born with, but the goal is to bring whatever your excess in back into balance so the natural one shows up. Oh, makes sense. Yeah. Makes 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 a lot of sense. Um the it, it sort of I mean, there's it's controversial in itself. Have you ever heard of homeopathy? Mm-hmm. Um well, a lot of constitutional homeopathy looks at people like that like you are in a homeopathic state Mm -hmm. and that vibration of that homeopathic remedy and it doesn't have to be your true one Mm -hmm. but as you get rid of those pathologies your true homeopathic constitution comes out exactly and when i'm i'm listening to you speak about these and i'm thinking about homeopathic constitutions and there's certain ones that fall into each one too Mm. you know there's one called pulsatilla which is really like the remedy and constitution that you want to like hug Mm. because they're so nurturing and soft yes you know um like a lot of really nurturing mothers are pulsatilla. Yes. And I, I start thinking about kapha. So it's really interesting how it may just be different versions of different truths, you know, For in sure. different parts of the country. And and the funny thing is, is like, it's all interconnected. Like, yeah. Ayurveda was just the first ever recorded medical system, but in year 600 AD, Chinese scholars learned, and then they later turned that into TCM, which Mm -hmm. is similar, but not totally. It's a five elemental system, but they changed to wood and metal. And then that later on became macrobiotics. And then Ayurveda moved along the Silk Road and became, I think, Materias Medicas, which became the Greek medical Mm -hmm. system, which became the Roman medical system, which became our medical system and like Hippocrates. So it's like, it's all interconnected. It all is interconnected. And And I was just getting acupuncture yesterday and I was talking to my friend Chloe and we were talking about uh, eating with the seasons because they also preach that like mm-hmm. as the seasons change in TCM that we, we change our diet. Yes. So nothing is stagnant. Remember, that's Absolutely. amazing. Okay, so then let's play a game. Um, what's your dosha? What's your dosha? Because <laughs> I think yeah, the, the viewers <laughs> and listeners have to be like wondering maybe like, what about the people that we always listen to? Like, I love Sahara, listen to her. What is she? What is Dr. Okay, G? Cool. So let's maybe guess each other's. Cool. Do you want to go first? I go first. Well, I know yours. Okay, you're right. Of course. So let I'll so go I'll, first. Okay, you can go first. Yeah, because yeah. because you're because you're the pro. Because you don't know what mine is. No. Well, you you sort of spoke about that you were in a vata state mm-hmm. when you were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of hard actually now that I think about it because I think you do have a fiery element to yourself, mm-hmm. but you also have a grounded one too. Mm-hmm. So. I would say parts of all three, but mostly um, you don't pause the way that Oprah Eckhart Tolle would. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say maybe more uh, pitta, vata. Mm -hmm. More pitta and then some vata. What do you think? Is that your final answer? I think it's my final answer. Do you want to phone a friend? (laughs) Take one with the audience. Yeah, (laughs) I have none unless a a friend wants to. Yeah, it's not even live. I wish it was. Um, I know I'm wrong, but tell me. (laughs) <laughs> I know I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong because I can feel you right now. Um, and you're like, eh, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, well, so 
what I was born with, so my three doses actually are very close. I was actually born pretty close. So I really do have elements of all three. The order though is Vata, then Pitta, lastly Kapha. Mm. So I definitely do have qualities of Kapha. Like when I first started to learn about Ayurveda, I was going into like, what was I born at? I was convinced I was a Kapha. Why? Because of the shape of my face. Oh. So Kaphas often estrogen. have round faces, mm -hmm. estrogen, like baby-like features, mm -hmm. big eyes, big lips, mm -hmm. like um, not really like defined bodies yeah. and stuff. Like, and again, going back to when I was a kid, I was like overweight. So I was like, I was for sure kapha, but you can actually do t uh, pulse analysis, Ayurvedic pulse analysis, that they're able to see exactly what you were born wow. at with, with the pulse, which I highly recommend everyone doing with a great Ayurvedic doctor. So I was like, I know I was a kapha, but I didn't have that personality. Like I'm definitely not like, mm, mm -hmm. you know? That's yeah, which I that's what threw me off. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm on the go and creative and I never had like those kapha, like I've because, okay, so I looked at my face, I was like, I'm kapha, but hips, that's another big indicator of dosha. So face, vata tends to be long. Like you have more of that vata face, long, lean. Again, Steve Jobs, Natalie Portman, that type of mm -hmm. figure. Pitta angle, kapha round. Hips, vata, lean hips. Pitta, normal, kapha, wide. So mine is actually, I'm pretty straight. I don't, I'm not like a curvy person, right? So I was like, hmm, wrists, that's just another thing. So if you put your hand around your wrist like this, let's try yours. So, okay. So if there's a lot of space like mine, mm -hmm. that's vata. Mm -hmm. If it's kind of just like touching like yours, pitta. Mm. If it's not touching, kapha. Uh, okay, so, so yours is. So mine is vata. So I definitely have that like vata skeletal structure mm -hmm. and very vata personality, but also have like enough fire for it to come through and something that I always have to cultivate. My cough is always too less than what I was born with. And I think again, it's because of our society doesn't allow you to pause as much. Yeah. Cause like part of me is like, oh, what if I just moved to Jamaica and like hung out, but like my pitta won't let me. So, um, Too so, slow. Right. No. So yeah, so I'm vata pitta kapha, but pretty, pretty close. Okay. Well, that's that's amazing yeah. illustration for us to understand. Yeah. Because there are like elements of everything. If you look right. physically or like what your personality is like, because um, I know you're very business oriented. You're always, every time I look at your Instagram, you're somewhere else, mm -hmm. you know? So that led me to believe some of that. But um, right. really cool. Okay. Now let's get the expert to... Give me my diagnosis. Okay, so if we look at the shape of your face, as we mentioned, Vata, your body, lean, tall, very, like Vata skeletal structure for sure. You were definitely born with that. But you also, and you're also like creative. You have like a flowing energy to you. Like you're like, oh, I know people who do the Google Cal thing, but like that's not you. Yeah. So that's like showing me, showing me already for sure Vata is your primary dosha. I can see it in your mind and body, but you also have an element of, of Pitta. Mm. One, it's coming in from the masculine. Two, probably coming in because you're Latin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and three, you're just, it's just part of your soul. So you weren't just like, oh, I had an idea for a podcast. Like you got the podcast done and you're showing up and you're doing the work for it. Yeah. So you're leading with your idea, but you're getting it done through your Pitta. Whereas someone who is more Pitta Vata could like, start other people's businesses for fun. Like that oh. is enjoyable for them. They like the systems, they like the process. Whereas I don't see you being like, let me start your business for you. Like you might like the business for yourself when your own creativity and your own ideas are involved, but you're not like, I just like systems, you know? You're not that type of person. So I see you as primarily Vata, secondarily Pitta, and lastly Kapha. Wow, mm -hmm. interesting. And I see the Kapha as like less. Like, I mean, I think probably you work on yourself, like meditation, journaling, affirmations, all the things that you said to cultivate your Kapha, but I don't think it's something that like you were born with. Yeah, it takes a, it takes a lot for me to be grounded. Right, it and you can be, probably yeah. eat like a lot of the Vata balancing foods, like the sweet potatoes and the grains and the heavier stuff and not gain weight. I, I always said this, you I don't. always said, I, I can eat like a ton of carbs. It doesn't affect my blood sugar Right. and I don't gain weight. Right. It, it's because that vata is like it's just fast burning as well as the pitta whereas i have more coffee than you do so i would gain weight if mm. i did all of that wow and then because it's also estrogen you know that's mind-blowing stuff yeah. i as a kid i remember i was i was really sedentary though i didn't like running around mm -hmm. but i was always drawing and painting that's very vata you know like i was stuck at home but drawing and painting yes so i i think that it's always been whereas coffee would be like like, let's like take care of these stuffed animals and like mm -hmm. just very like nurturing, oh, you know? Oh, I see. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, there was always, think about like when we used to play, there always was a kid like that. Right. Like, let's build this home and let's like 
create like a fake family. Right, exactly. And I'm like, I'll be the artist. And I'm like, I'm like in the corner. <laughs> You're like, I'm a the picture. psycho artist. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> Let me just paint the house and draw like these really disturbing Right. Pictures. And that's your <laughs> disturbing. That's the vodka too. Vodka's can get dark. Yeah. Yeah. Here's that dark side. Whereas like, has Dr. Jess been on the podcast? Yes. She's Pitta. Pitta. She's Pitta. So she's just like, she's sharp. She's fiery. She knows what she wants. She has an element of kapha to her too. Yeah. Like she's very like heart open and nurturing and trustworthy right. and like can really listen and, and feels too. Right. So right. I see, I see that cough in her as well. And I think that she also has an element of Vata that like she's a creative, but she's really leading with her Pitta. Wow. Incre that's incredible stuff. Uh, Dr. Jolene Brighton. Pitta. She was here Pitta. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. I think she might even be more like, she's yeah, like, she's boom, like, boom, boom. Yeah, exactly. Uh, organic Olivia was here. She was Pitta, Pitta. Pitta for sure. Uh, now, um, that makes me think, my, like my roommate, uh, uh, Allie, Empowered Autoimmune, I always say her handle because that's what people know. She's really kapha. She's like mm. really grounded. She loves her grounded exercises. Like I walked in yesterday and she was like, had her crystals in the moonlight. Mm. I was like, what are you doing? She's like sitting Indian style. And she's like, I'm just like energizing my crystals. I was like, okay, amazing. Right. Like in my vata mind, I'm like, I, I don't know if I'd have time to do that. Or right. I'd probably sit there for five seconds and then go to my next thing. Right. So incredible how we can coexist all as a unit. And, and like, that we're all needed, you know, like what I really from understanding Ayurveda is like, it's not just about health. Like your health problems are just the indicators of what you have to work on to find your Dharma, your soul's purpose. Mm. They're showing up for you as like, this is where you need to bring yourself back into balance. And that's mm. going to affect your personality mm. and help you do the things that you're meant to do. So, you were born with Vata because you were meant to create. You were meant to bring art to the world. You were meant to bring beauty. Like you're born Pitta because you're meant to lead teams and create systems and delegate and organize. You're born Kapha because you're meant to hold space and be one-on-one -on -one with people and really intentional. So it's not a coincidence. It's, it's not incredible. accidental. Like there's no extras in the world. Like we perfectly have enough people that if everyone steps up to who they are, the world will come back into balance. Yeah. And that, that begs the question, are you doing something in your life, which is in line with what your soul's purpose or yes. a dosha we're mm -hmm. talking about? Because I know me personally, I feel best, not when I'm one-on-one -on -one nurturing. Mm -hmm. And certainly when I'm not the leader of a team of 20 people, mm -hmm. I absolutely, without a doubt, unequivocally feel best when I'm creating either yes. art or expressing through the show which is like kind of like my art too yeah. like being able to create the show the way I want to deliver it right you know and say the things that I want to say exactly it's the same thing as me going home and writing poetry or music right it's the same like I and I love that you brought that up because that brings us to the next thing like we were talking about when you are living in your soul's purpose then then that creates we're talking about a new paradigm of basically living right mm -hmm. like of work mm -hmm. that creates abundance for you, mm -hmm. right? And um, maybe you can speak more to that because we were talking about how like maybe like our, our workplace or work mentality may be shifting now. Absolutely. So I think that, you know, all of us are victims of the school system that are like, okay, these are the things that you need to do to become successful. So we're always told from an outside authority figure what we need to do. And we're at this shift of a consciousness that like, you don't have to choose, oh, well, I like talking, so should I become a lawyer or a psychologist? Like, you can create whatever it is you want. So we're in this, like, pool of infinite possibilities, but we don't realize it. So most people out there, if you're, like, listening to this, and I said, what's your life purpose? What's your soul's purpose? Most people have no idea, right? We've never even asked ourselves these questions. And it can feel really overwhelming and daunting. I think from a greater perspective, we're all here for the same reason. We're, we're all here to raise consciousness, mm -hmm. right? We're all here to make the world a better place. But the way that you do it and the way that a listener and someone else does it is in different ways. So, you know, looking at the doshas can help inform you of what is the way that I can do it. Is it through creation, execution, reevaluation? That's how I split those three doshas. Where am I getting stuck, right? I think of any idea as moving through the process of the doshas. So let's say you have an idea for writing a book right? First you have the idea. You download the idea from your crown chakra. Like the idea exists. Like I don't believe that any idea is yours. I believe it's coming through you. Yeah. Like in an infinite pool of like consciousness. Exactly. We're just tapping The ideas it. are like, okay, we're going to come through. So let's just go into these different people who mm -hmm. might be able to make it happen. But if your crown chakra is closed, if you're not receiving information, you're like, Meh. it's like the antenna is like shut off. If you let it come through your crown, you intuit it through your third eye. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, like what could this book look like? What would the chapters be like? What would the title be? What would it be the about? Vision. The vision of it. And 
if your mind is too active, your mind is stronger than your third eye, you're like, that's never going to happen. I don't have the money for it. Someone else is doing it, blah, blah, blah. It goes back. And then a couple of years later, you're like, I was supposed to write that book. Yeah, right? know, it comes out and you see it. Yeah. yeah. So from the mind, if you're able to use your third eye, really intuit it, then you speak it. You speak it into existence. Maybe you write about it in your journal. Maybe you share about it. This is now it's coming into reality. This is all the Vata stage. It still doesn't exist. There's nothing tangible there. It's still in this process of an idea. Now, the Pitta stage is where a lot of us get stuck. How do I actually do it? You know, we're like, I have this idea for a book. I have no idea where to start. You can't just turn on the ignition, right? You have to rev up the fire. So that comes through the heart. The heart chakra is like feeling the passion for it, feeling the people whose lives you're going to touch, mm. thinking about how it's going to impact like the people who are reading the book, what they're going through, how that's going to shape their life. And when you rev up that fire, then naturally you'll have the passion to get through whatever it is that that this book is going to take for you to create. Mm -hmm. So that heart, when that heart is fully open, naturally it drops into the solar plexus. And that solar plexus is the chakra of doing action, get shit done, ask the grass, go. And a lot of us, again, we're like, oh, I don't want to work hard. And it's like, it's not about working hard. It's about the heart is there. So that's just energizing. It's just a natural expression of who you are. Like if you're so passionate about something, you can't stop yourself but doing it. Like if I was like, guys, like Dr. Christian's going to do free consultations. Like I won't be able to stop you from being like, yes, yes, yes. Right. It's like, cause it's what you want. But for some reason, We've equated that like working sucks and working is hard because we're working on things that we don't want. But if we're working on things that we do want, it's easy, it's flow, it's mm -hmm. effortless. And that's that energy of the solar plexus. Now, a lot of us get stuck here too. Next, 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 go, 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 hamster on the wheel. So we have to take a step off and say, okay, who am I right now? I'm probably a different person than when I first started that business, that book, that idea. So if you can step off, take that sacred pause, now kapha, you're able to reevaluate, say, okay, well, where do I really want to be going? How can I better use my skills and my gifts at this point? And this is the energy of the sacral chakra, which is the energy of pleasure, of creativity, mm -hmm. of abundance as mm -hmm. well. You're never going to be truly abundant when you're hustling and doing it all the time. You're holding on to it too tight. It's like when you find that joy in it, that's actually when it really grows and thrives. And then the last chakra is the root chakra. It's, it's grounding the idea. It's letting the idea become a movement, letting people who share similar dharmas to you get involved. And you know, you don't birth a child so you can always hold on to that child. You birth it so it can grow its own legs and live its own life. So when you have that idea and you're able to birth it, then you're able to see, okay, how can I now come up with the next iteration? Does it even need to involve me? Or maybe that idea now has legs and I'm being drawn to something else. So if you're ever stuck, look at what chakra am I on? What dosha am I on? And what's the next one to go to? And you'll be able to do anything you want in life. Mm, wow. There's, I'm telling you right now, there's very few moments in these shows where my mind is blown because <laughs> I feel like I heard everything at one point in my life. But the way you created this analogy of doshas and chakras and like, you know, tangible everyday things like creating a business, that is mind blowing to me because God, it all made sense. That's it all why makes sense. It, I it, like you spoke intuitively to me because I understand the process of the download and the vision and the speaking and then the feeling and then the executing yes. and then the grounding and giving it all. Yes. Jesus, like that's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's amazing for people to understand. Like I'd urge all the listeners to rewind that yeah. and listen, like, and go through that process because it, we have to create on every level. Absolutely. And it's like this roadmap that we now have of like, okay, where am I constantly getting stuck? Like, am I always getting stuck and like I'm burning myself out and I'm doing so much? Then step into the kapha, step into the pause. Maybe I've been paused for a long time. Maybe I just had kids and I've been out of the game for like 20 plus years and I don't even know where to get going. Don't step into the pitta. Don't be like, okay, I need to take action. Step into the vata. It's a cycle, right? It's like precipitation, you know, mm -hmm. it like moves yeah. in that cycle. From that kapha, come up with the idea. Like I was working with these women in their fifties. I'm like, what is your dream? Like, what do you want? What's your dream day? Like, what's your dream body? Like, what's your dream life? Like, and for the first time they allow themselves to really see those possibilities of like, I'd love to do this. And I never explored that. 
If I was like, okay, come on, make your business plan, get shit done. That would have been too much. They wouldn't have been there yet. Mm. From the kapha, you need to move into the vata again. Dream, create, think big. Naturally, you'll have a passion that will want to come through. So just look at these as your roadmap, as your North Star, and you'll be able to boom, 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 anything that you were meant to it's create. It's crazy because anytime I get energetic work, they say your crown and your third eye are the most open of yes, everything. Yes, yes. And, and everything very, else is closed up. That's very much, I'm the same way. Third eye, yeah. root. Because <laughs> like, I bet you and me could sit here for like 40 minutes and like create a vision to change the world. Exactly. We're like, all right. And We're like, okay, who's going to go do who's it? Who's going to execute it? We got to call Tony yeah. Robbins to come execute it for right, us. Right, exactly. Uh, amazing, amazing stuff. So, um, God, thank you. I wish this conversation could go for like two hours, three yes. hours, but we'll have you back. Yes. We're going to have you back. Yes? Yes. Okay, for sure. Um, uh, what are you doing now? One, how do people find you? What are you doing now? And like, what if people want to like just learn more? Sure, yeah. So I have a podcast as well, which we have to have you on, mm -hmm. Highest Self Podcast, which is all about spirituality, dharma, your purpose, all of that kind of stuff. So check it out, Highest Self Podcast. On my website, IamSaharaRose.com, I have a dosha quiz. So people are like, I still don't know about my dosha. I want to know. I've actually, and you've taken the quiz. I separate the results between your dosha in your mind and your body. I give you specific percentages too. Mm -hmm. So I recommend taking it once as like how you are right now. And then maybe once of what you were like as a kid. Mm -hmm. And that will help you see like, okay, I was really cough as a kid. Now I'm not. And then the dosha that you are in the mind, that's the kind of stuff you want to do for your life, meditation, et cetera. Dosha in the body, that's more of the diet and things like that if they're totally different. And I email you free three-day mini course videos, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sign up for that because you can learn everything on it. Yeah. And then you have your two books. Yes. And I have my books, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, Eat, Feel Fresh, Instagram. I'm always posting dosha memes and all that mm -hmm, stuff, mm -hmm. uh, which is also IamSahararose.com. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Every single one of those resources is amazing for anyone who wants to learn about Ayurveda or just eat spirituality in general, mm -hmm. just everything connecting back. I mean, you preaching in your way, I preach it in my way, but same thing. We're like saying the same thing. Right. Like, Cause we're all here to raise consciousness. Exactly. Right? That's that's, I have it on my Instagram consciousness for that reason. It's yes. for changing that, yes. for shifting that. So thank you infinity for coming on here. Thank I'm you for so having me. blessed to have you. And, um, yeah, I appreciate everything you said. I really hope the viewers and listeners learned something and to reach out to you. And we're waiting your next project and I'll be following you closely. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Okay, today's guest, man, I am so blown away by Sahara's knowledge. And uh, I'll be honest, me personally, I don't know a lot about Ayurveda. Um, it's never drawn me in, but I'm really drawn in when she talks about the doshas and the way they are health is affected by when we don't stay true to who we are. It's pretty incredible stuff. So I think we need to listen more to a lot of these ancient teachings because they've given birth to a lot of the way we see the body and medicine and health right now. Anyway, so wonderful. Thank you, Sahar, for coming. I hope you really all enjoyed it. Look, rate, review, subscribe. Keep this show blowing up because it's been blowing up, period. We're doing big moves here and I love and support and I'm grateful for all of you for giving love to Dr. Gina Shell. All right, much love. See you next weekend.